as we have been going through the earthly life and ministry of Jesus our Lord. Uh, we've gotten to the point where he has entered Jerusalem during the time which people call the triumphal entry. The glory of God descended from the Mount of Olives into the temple. And then what Jesus does during the week is he ministers, teaches, and does various things in Jerusalem and then retires to Bethany. So after this time that he entered the temple, looked around, and because it was late, he went back to Bethany to rest. And so now this is the next day. So traditionally, this is Monday or maybe a different reckoning Sunday. But on in Mark chapter 11, starting with verse 12, we pick up this last week, uh, the week of, of the crucifixion. It says, on the next day when they had left Bethany, he became hungry. Seeing at a distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening. So when we read this without any other context, Jesus almost seems petulant. He's expecting to see figs on a tree during the season that is not ready for figs. Now, I think that there's a couple of possibilities, and I'll give you what I think is a couple of possibilities. Number one, there are two seasons for figs. There is a small season where the figs are very small and aren't all that marketable, and they usually grow about late March, early April, which is probably during this time. And then there is a season for marketable figs, and that's in August. And so that could be one explanation. But a fig tree provides leaves, which gives cover, which tends to say that the tree is mature and is providing fruit. But I think Jesus is teaching us something very substantial here and is not being petulant or even if the first explanation works. And that is this. What is the purpose of a fruit tree? Provide fruit. A fig tree provides figs. Each tree provides peaches. You don't find on one tree peaches and figs because the type of tree it is that is there. However, fig trees have an interesting history. And I'm not talking about an agricultural one. By implication, the fig tree was in the Garden of Eden. Why do I say by, fig, by implication? Because the scriptures do not say there was a fig tree in the Garden of Eden. But what it does say is after Adam and Eve sinned, and they discovered that they were naked, they took fig leaves, and sewed them together to cover themselves. So you see, fig leaves have been used since we all got here for covering. And I think what Jesus is teaching, and again I say I think what Jesus is teaching, is that there are those who look to cover what it is they're not. 
the fig tree provides leaves, which then you think has fruit, and it doesn't. And there are a lot of believers, a lot of Christians, a lot of back then Jews who looked religious. They looked like they were righteous. They looked all those things, but they had only covering. Their lives produced no fruit. And what it is is the purpose of a believer. The purpose of a believer is to develop fruit. And the scriptures tells us that the fruit of our spirit is love and joy and peace and kindness and all these other things and patience. There's a long list of things that the fruit of the spirit provides. But yet, all too often, we are satisfied with the look of righteousness, with the look of being God's people, without the fruit demonstrating that we are God's people. And in this time, especially how the world needs the fruit that believers produce. Love, joy, kindness. Just to mention a few, if the world experienced those things from we believers, maybe there wouldn't be so much anger and anxiety and hatred. But we are oftentimes content because we have leaves. We're covered. We've covered our nakedness. And so no one sees. And so I think Jesus is teaching the purpose of a fruit tree is to provide fruit. And we as Christians cannot say, well, it's not the season to provide fruit. For we as Christians, every day is the season to provide fruit. It's not, well, you know, it's wintertime, so I get to be hateful and mean and cantankerous. No, no, every single day is the season for us to bear fruit. And so Jesus basically curses it, condemns it, says, I don't care if the season comes or not, no one will ever eat from you again. And his disciples, it's interesting, and his disciples were listening. So many times Jesus told them things and they seemed not to be listening. You know, things like, I'm going to Jerusalem. The religious leaders are going to arrest me and mock me and beat me and, and condemn me to crucifixion. And they're going, can I sit on your right or your left hand? They're, they're not listening, but here they are. It's always interesting when people listen. And if you ever have any doubt of that, all you have to be is a parent. You try to tell your kids something important, and they could care less. You say something stupid, and they remember it. And put it in your face. So, you know. So they're listening this time. So then Jesus moves on from there, and it says, verse 15, Then they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple, and began to drive out those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturned the tables of money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he would not prevent anyone to carry merchandise through the temple. So I want to back up and go from the last one. It says he would not permit anybody to carry merchandise through the temple. So apparently what they were doing was using the temple as a shortcut. They had merchandise to bring 
But rather than going around the temple to where it's supposed to be, they were going through the temple because it was a lot shorter. Isn't that sad? That you have so little regard for the temple that you would just use it as a shortcut. Then it says that he overturned the seats of those who were selling doves and other animals. For you see, for the doves were those who were offering up sacrifices uh, or purification for sins who were poor. And so instead of selling them where they should be sold, they were selling them within the temple, which was probably in the court of the Gentiles. Because we'll see this a little bit. And they were probably, because we're getting closer and closer to Passover, they're probably also selling lamb, sheep, because people were going from all over to Jerusalem. And even if you were a shepherd, unless you were very close by, you probably didn't bring your sheep with you. For a couple of reasons, they would slow you down. And you're supposed to offer a sheep that is unblemished. So if it stumbles and gets a bruise, you can't use it. And so you would go from, let's say, Corinth as a Jew. You would then travel to Jerusalem for Passover. You would then purchase a lamb to be sacrificed for you to use at the Passover meal. So they were selling animals there. And you don't have to be a rancher or a farmer to know. If you've ever been to a parade, you know what animals leave on the way. So can you imagine, here's the temple of God, full of excrement. That's the nice word. Can you imagine, this is the state of the temple. And then it also, and going back up, because they were buying and selling, and they had the money changers. And why the money changers? For you see, there was what's called a temple tax. In order to pay the temple tax, you couldn't use money, civilian money. You could not use Roman money. So even though you came from Corinth and you were maybe uh, a citizen there and you had all the Caesar coins and whatever, and you had enough, when you went to pay the tax, you couldn't pay it in Roman coins. You had to buy shekels or some other type of temple. And so what they would do is they would do an exchange rate, but then they would add a carrying fee. And they were making money taxing people, taxing people. And Jesus is angered at this because they have, in essence, made the temple a merchandise zone that is not only just a merchandise zone, but one that is unethical. These are the people of God. These are the religious leaders. These are the people. No wonder Jesus is saying, you have all the trappings of righteousness, but you just are covering up your nakedness. And he began to teach and say to them, is it not written my father's house? Or I'm sorry, not my father's house. My house, which is even more significant. My house shall be called a house of prayer 
for all the nations. So notice number one, Jesus is saying, I'm God. So for those of you, and this is Mark, this is not John. So for those of you who have heard people say, well, Jesus never said he was God. He just said, it's my house. My house is God's house. If my house is God's house, then I'm God. My house shall be called a house of prayer, not a house of merchandise, not a house of a way to be unethically treating those who are seeking to come to God. It is a place to communicate with God. Notice Jesus didn't even say it was a place to offer sacrifices to God. It was a place to communicate with him. And not only was it built just for the Jew, notice it said it was my house, the house of prayer, for all the nations. And that's why there was a courtyard for the Gentiles. Because we weren't allowed to go inside. Matter of fact, only the high priest once a year could go into the Holy of Holies. And only the priest could go in the holy place to minister. But the rest of us, not so much. But even so, there was still a place for the Gentiles. To be, to pray. Even today, the Jews go to what's called the Wailing Wall, what's called the Western Wall. And to go there and pray because they think it's more significant to be where God's house was. But it's not just for the Jews. It is for all nations. But you have made it a robber's den. You see, we as Christians are to bear fruit. That's our purpose. The purpose of a fruit tree is to bear fruit. The purpose of God's temple is to be a place for people to communicate with God. Which I want to kind of. We are also called God's temple. Paul tells us that in a couple of different places, that we are the temple of God and we need to treat it as such. That maybe we should make merchandise of ourselves. Maybe we shouldn't act unethically. Maybe we should be those who, when people say, God just seems far off, and say, Unless you and I pray together. For I am also the house of prayer for all. Verse 18. The chief priests and the scribes heard this and began seeking how to destroy him. These guys. Never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. God has always, through Jesus, has been telling them, you're on the wrong track. You're doing the wrong thing. And if it's not obvious, here's one that's obvious. You've taken the temple and you've messed it up. You've made it a robber's den. You haven't even just made it a merchant. You've made it a robber's den. It would be bad enough to say, yeah, well, you're selling merchandise, but at least you're doing it at a fair price. It's a robber's den. And yet their response is not, you know, we're, you're right. We not, may not believe that you're Messiah, but you're right here. 
Maybe we need to change the way we're doing business. But no, let's destroy it. But they have all the um, courage of people not so courageous. For they were afraid of him, for the whole crowd was astonished at his teaching. It's not whether Jesus is right or wrong. But right now the crowd's on his side. So if we do something to Jesus, they'll be upset with us and maybe they'll remove us from our position. So let's do it as we're going to plan at night when the crowds aren't around, when we can find somebody to betray him and we can conduct all of our trials illegally because then the crowds won't be there and then we will pay off the crowd to seek him. So notice these supposedly righteous men are not so righteous. And when evening came, they would go out of the city. So Mark is telling us this is kind of Jesus's routine. Now, next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about what happens this day. So I'm going to be a little imperfect in the chronology because I think it's important to talk about the fig tree again. So if I wait, and interrupt that. So I, I want to bring. So next week we'll be talking about the same day, not in the same chronology. So uh, when evening came, they would go out of the city. And as they were passing by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look at the fig tree you cursed has withered. So you notice. Peter understood that Jesus' discussion to the fig tree was a curse. And he's kind of amazed because this tree withered within 24 hours. A tree usually doesn't do that. It takes a little time to, it's not like grass that is green today and tomorrow is dead. A tree takes some time, and yet this tree has withered. It hasn't just died, it has withered, it has shrunk. And we are told in the other gospel, not only did it wither, it withered from the ground up, which means from its source of nutrients all the way. It didn't die from the top down, it died from the bottom up. And Jesus answers saying to them, have faith in God. Now, this is important, and I want to act. Notice what he says, have faith in God. Now, truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted you. Whenever you stand praying, forgive and if, if you have anything against anyone so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive your transgression. Now, we've heard that and, I'm gonna, and for, forgiveness is dependent on forgiveness. But you're going to hear a whole lot of people and you probably have heard a whole lot of people say, 
if you just have enough faith. Fill in the blank. If you just have enough faith, you'll be healed from whatever disease. If you just have enough faith, you'll be rich. If you just have enough faith, all of these things will happen. Notice Jesus didn't say, if you just have enough faith in the circumstance. He says, if you have faith in God. So I want to give you my little parable. It's not a perfect one, but I think it will demonstrate the point. There was a little girl who had a brother. And she lived with her single mom who was struggling with two jobs and had a modest apartment. They were barely getting by making ends meet. And one day, the little girl had a friend over. And while the mom was sitting watching Oprah or whatever she was watching, the uh, little girl says to her friend, my mommy is going to buy me a pony. And she's going to get an ATV from my brother. It's going to be off. And the mom goes, I never told you I was going to get you a pony. I never told your brother I was going to get him an ATV. Even if I could afford it, we don't have any place to put them. And the little girl's response is, yeah, but I heard that if I just thought about it hard enough, it would happen. I just thought about it hard enough, it'll happen. And that's kind of what you'll hear a lot of, and that's probably why we are not busting out of the scene. Because it's a whole lot better to hear, man, I could just be rich if I'm just have enough. If I just believe hard enough, this cancer will go away. First step. James tells us, yes, there's a, we don't have things because we do not have. Because we doubt. And when we doubt, James tells us, don't expect to receive anything because you're an unstable person. Torn about to and fro. But he also says, you ask and do not have because you ask for wrong motive. And then there is what Jesus, I find, Kind of interesting. When the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. Jesus starts off with our father, our daddy, who is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then notice he says, and give us this day our daily bread. He doesn't say, and may I win the lottery. And may I be richer than anybody around. And may this difficulty that I'm experiencing be removed. Because I've asked for it and I have faith because whatever. And my comment is, have faith in what? You have faith in that you're getting something? 